Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors in over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in to Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money investing and more. Am I happy because the market's at an all-time high? I guess. I'm that easy to predict, aren't I? I'm clearly into money. No, that's not why I'm that high and excited. It's the end of the year. It's time to be with family a little bit more. It's take a little bit of the foot off the gas, but it's been a good year for money and investments. But in the end, as Elon Musk said, money is just an entry in a database. And I kind of agree with that. But then again, I have it and I have enough to live off, so I'm tainted and I know that. If you don't have it, you're kind of pissed off right now. You're like this dang pandemic. But the pandemic's getting good news with vaccinations happening around the world right now. Not just the UK, but China's inoculated. Is that the right word? A million plus? I don't see how this is bad news. I see that as good news. I see, I think maybe this time next year, I'm going to be pissed off at Delta. Or... Maybe this time next year, my, my, my wife will say, honey, we've made a lot of money. Why don't we go on a cruise and rekindle our marriage? I'm like, no, no, anything but a cruise. But the options will be there. And I'll have something to complain about that's tangible. And I get it. Um, other big stories of note today. Again, we're at an all-time high. I think that's that's worthy of, of mention, you know? Because we have a stimulus package waiting to happen. It's not there. It's kind of getting there. It's shaping up. It seems like all parties are willing to talk to each other, and parties meaning the White House with Mnuchin and Trump, the House of Representatives with Nancy Pelosi, and the Senate with Mitch McConnell. They all seem to be chit-chatting. And maybe making a little bit of progress, as Steve Mnuchin came out last night and said, hey, we've come up with something that's closer to the dollar figures the Democrats want and also has some of the protections that the Senate want. Um, So probably not going to be a $1,200 check, but maybe a $600 check, which is better than the $0 check that Mitch McConnell was throwing out for the average American. Again, I understand that wealth is concentrated in the United States. I understand a lot like Elon Musk does of some of the big problems that we have going on. I do, I do, I do. Um, what else do we have to hit on at this point in time? Let's check out the money pages, shall we? 
yesterday we closed at a high. Today we opened at highs again. I think it's real simple to say stimulus package and vaccination equals cash in people's hands from getting back to work and cash in people's hands from stimulus. Maybe some cash for some businesses, things like that, right? But I have a question in six months from now, what are we going to be talking about? Well, we're going to be talking about better year over year GDP and better year over year earnings from six months from now. Okay, so I have a question. One year from now, what are we going to be talking about? And that's where I get a little bit nervous that we're sitting at all time highs. And again, it's not big nervous. It's like one quarter of a Xanax, Zan, Zan, I almost said Zantac. I hate drug names. They're too complicated for me. I can't remember them. It's almost like I'm a little bit worried, but not heavily worried. I'm not like popping pills. You know what I'm saying? Just uh, one beer versus six. One quarter of a Xanax versus the whole thing. But that's a year from now. And I don't really have to worry about a year from now for six months. Do I think the stock market roars higher for six months? No. Do I think it, it's higher in six months from where it is today? Yes. But I don't know how we get there, and I don't know how much it's going to be. Mortgage rate set a record 14th low for the year, driving even more refinance demand. That's a great story. I think Craig Ferguson, it's a great day for America. That's a great story for America. A lot of us have debt tied towards college. A lot of us have debt tied towards mortgages, and a lot of us have debt tied towards cars and credit cards, right? Medical bills. We have a president-elect that says, I'm going to help with the college debt thing. Don't know how that's going to look. Don't know if it's a good idea. If you just forgive debt, you don't solve the problem that colleges are way too expensive and they're creating, should they create a diploma based on the job that you get outside of it? I think so. Like, I think a science and engineering degree should be more expensive than a poetry degree. But we need poets to teach in high school, for sure. But we also have, okay, so the president might forgive debt. I don't know if that's going to work or not. But we have low mortgage debt, which affects all of us who own homes. And I have a home that I rent out to other citizens of America. And having a lower mortgage rate on it means I can make more money and go on more vacations, or I can make, or I can charge a tenant less, or I can do home improvements on the place and keep it attractive for renters in the future. It gives me financial options that are attractive. So we got a lot of things going right. And the credit card debt and the car loan debt, um, the Federal Reserve has done their job. They've lowered interest rates to the point that if you want to borrow money, you're going to be borrowing it probably at a lower cost than you were two years ago. But mortgage rates fall again, falling for a record low for the 14th time this year. An eye-popping 89%. What was that? Mortgage application. Oh, mortgage applications refinance rose 2% last week. They're up 89% from a year ago level. So I, I credit you, America. I credit you, Americans who have refinanced, because I think it's a smart thing to do. The average 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is, it sits at 2.9%. If I had gone back to my – if current Rob goes back in time to 15 years ago, Rob, and says, mortgage rates are going to be at 2.9% in 15 years, I would have said BS. Get out of here, you crazy wackadoodle.
I can't, I, that's a stunning number. It's stunning. With that said, if you have refinanced to that under 3% level, you're probably sitting more attractively financially speaking for the next 10, 15, 20, 25 years than you were a year or two years ago. And you will spend that money because you are an American and we as Americans spend money. Elon Musk is relocating to Texas. He criticizes complacent California. I can't disagree with that. He also said in an interview, it's pretty interesting because he, he's got like factories in China, factories in Berlin, factories in Austin, Texas. California during the pandemic has been very, um, has the big tech companies have done the right thing. They've said work at home. Google, Facebook, Apple has let their, their workforce stay away from an infection zone, so, so to speak. <sighs> The question is, is that going to change the financial dynamics of the Bay Area? And the answer is yes. Rents are down 30% in San Francisco, which is good if you're a young renter. It's not great if you're a landlord with a high mortgage, but the lower mortgage, yeah, see, it all works together, doesn't it? The elbow is connected to the toenail. You can find me online at newfocusfinancial.com or robblackshow.com. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Cello. It's Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money investing, and more. Typically at a time when DoorDash is coming public and Airbnb are coming public, we in San Francisco would be going, woohoo! More young millionaires. Not so much today. We're seeing a lot of people leave San Francisco. A lot of people have never even lived in San Francisco who work at Airbnb and DoorDash because of the pandemic. With that said, I think it is a pretty important shift to acknowledge. Elon Musk is moving to Texas. He's relocating his billions of dollars of income and wealth to a state that doesn't take taxes on income. I get it. Sometimes I say, I'm surprised more people don't do it, but the truth is more people are doing it. Rents for a studio apartment in San Francisco are down 35% to $2,100. While cost for a one bedroom, studio apartments down to 2,100, but a one bedroom's down to 2,700. Back in the day, 15 years ago, what was I paying? Not 4000 like people were paying last year, but you get the idea. Silicon Valley giant Hewlett Packard said, hasta la vista, California, and they moved to Texas. Palantir, not in Texas, big tech company. Charles Schwab, they're relocating their main offices out of California to lower cost, uh, to the, to lower cost states. It's a thing. It's happening. I don't expect Silicon Valley to be the the dominant world of technology um, in 10 years. Facebook was already moving more towards New York before the pandemic. We'll see after the pandemic. I'm throwing it out there for you. You know, 
Um, when Elon Musk says California has become a little bit too complacent, I think we've become a little too complacent. We've become a little bit too much of jerks. When Tesla had their factory shut down in Alameda County due to COVID, Musk sued. Um, I get it. I, I get it. Now, again, due to coronavirus, I, I see the human side of the story. Let's keep people safe. I get it. But actors are outraged. I know you're saying actors are outraged from the move of dispersion from movie theaters on their, their main events down to get it in your own home. And we don't know where you live, but it's certainly not in a movie theater, right? A lot going on. Stocks that are doing well today are anything that's going to benefit from the vaccine, particularly cruises, airlines, and hotels, restaurants. Hey, let's go play shuffleboard on the Lido deck. You know, it's kind of fascinating how much I hate cruises, seeing how much I was in love with a love boat as a child. As a child, I'd watch the love boat and go, that looks like life. I want to be on the love boat. I want to go to Alcapoco. I couldn't even say it. I still can't. I want to cruise to Cancun. I want to see Julie on the Lido deck and play shuffleboard and see Gopher carry my baggage to my room. Look, it's Tony Danza and Cheryl Teagues. I was fascinated with the love boat. And of course, I wanted love when I was a 10-year-old child or 8-year-old child, whichever it was when I was watching the love boat. But they're doing well today. And oddly enough, I don't like cruises. Got an email yesterday from a lady named Chantel. Lay, lady, lay. She asked me about bonds. And I'm like, why? Bonds are basically IOUs. You lend money to a company and they pay you back plus a little bit of interest. So you can get a bond for 2%, you give them 100, they give you $102 back. Basic idea, right? It's an IOU. A bond could be you given uh, Palo Alto money to build a library. And they're gonna pay you back in three years, five years, 10 years. And Palo Alto is pretty legit, too legit too legit to quit. So we give them lower rates. Now, if Stockton wants to build like an airport, we're like, no one wants to live in Stockton or even fly to Stockton. And if they try to issue a bond on it, a municipal bond, they're gonna, they're probably going to have to pay like 6% because we don't believe in Stockton as much as we believe in Palo Alto. That's just kind of a good part of town, bad part of town kind of story, right? But I don't own any particular bonds myself. Um, <clears throat> where's the point? Is, oh, Chantel's email. So I, I told her, why? why? Why do you want to own bonds? And then she said, well, I kind of want to own some minority bonds. Bonds that are lending, people that are lending money to minority-backed businesses. I was like, ah, you're altruistic. I get it. Um... I would go about it a different way versus funding bonds that are trying to do that. But if you want a bond broker, I, I don't do that. I, 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 I can't analyze bonds. Bonds are so freaking freaking difficult to analyze. I don't know one stock guy that does bonds. I'm more of a stock guy than I am a bond guy. So I had to pass on her answer. But I get why she wants to do it. I think there's better ways to, uh, to lend money to your community. 
but I get it. And I'm assuming her community is the small business minority owned community, or maybe she's just completely altruistic. I don't know. <clears throat> but she asked along the lines of, what do you think about peer-to-peer -peer loans? I'm not a big fan of peer-to-peer -peer loans because it, it seems a very unsophisticated way to approach lending money. And I don't lend money to family members or friends because it always comes back in a weird way. It just doesn't work right. I've had a business partner ask me to forgive money to him. And I'm like, no, we got into a business deal. We need to end on a business deal kind of thing. It happens in life. It happens in the world. I get it. But be careful on lending money because I don't want to go too much into that. I'll let you figure that out. Let's just say that um, I once got into a business relationship with a friend and we were going to buy real estate together because I have extra cash flow. And he is fascinated by, he was going to use me for my cash flow. I was going to use him for his management kind of thing. And then his wife got involved and I don't particularly like his wife. And the spouses started talking about, well, I want the money for a baby or I want the money for a car. I want the money for this. And I'm like, screw it. I'll just do my own little business on my own little personal account where I don't have to get approval from someone else's wife. You get the idea, right? Anyhow, and anyway, I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing and more. The markets are in record territory. Feels good. Especially in a bad year. It shows you how resilient and tenacious the stock market can be. Or how great capitalism truly is. Maybe. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. So quick note on Apple. The wait times for their higher-end iPhone 12 models are remaining extended. Longer than they did for the iPhone 11, which bodes well for the stock in demand. Also, the new $550 AirPod Max, which is more expensive than a PlayStation 5, throwing it out there. You probably won't get them until March. If you want to get them at Christmas, probably not going to happen. Let's talk with briefing.com as we do on a regular basis every Wednesday at this time. Patrick O'Hare, briefing.com. Mr. O'Hare, the year is wrapping up, and I kind of feel gleeful today for the first time in 2020. I don't know if it's the vaccinationist news. I don't know if it's the markets at all time high news. I don't know if it's just another year. I don't know if it's maybe I had too much to drink last night, but I'm feeling gleeful. Are you feeling that too? Or am I wrong for feeling gleeful and it's all going to go to hell in a handbasket quickly? <laughs> um, you know, I think from a market standpoint, Rob, I would, I would characterize it as, as a feeling of relief. Right. Um, Sure. I mean, I think, you know, you look at just the absolute return on, on the market. Anyone can could be happy right now based based on that. You know, you've got the S&P 500 up almost 15 percent year to date uh, before dividends. And, um, you know, if you had said to anyone before the year began, uh, if, if we could guarantee you that and you could go away and not pay attention the rest of the year, would you do it? And I think most people would say absolutely. And, um, you know, there's been a lot, obviously, that has happened this year. 
um, that has made that uh, near 15% price return even more extraordinary, but certainly one filled with a, a tremendous sense of relief that we're even talking about that at this point. Mm-hmm. So you wrote something earlier in the week, or last week rather, you said no oomph, but no uh either. And now we seem to be focusing on the oomph. We're getting senators talking with the White House, the White House talking with the House of Representatives. It looks like stimulus should get done. We've said that before, so knock on wood. But we're mm-hmm. also seeing the vaccination roll out. Um, and I, I basically said, that's good news for the first six months of 2021. And then six months from now, we're going to have better GDP than we did this year at this point in time. So I'm like, that's good news. But then I did bring up the, I'm a little bit anxious about this time next year on the market. What will be our catalyst? Because we will be in an extended market. We'll have high valuations. We won't have easy compares per se, a little bit, but not as much. But am I wrong for starting to think a year out already on what's the next thing to happen? Because I've kind of already priced in the good news, I think, for my own personal situation. Well, and I think the the market has to a large extent, too, uh, Rob. I mean, um, you know, it's looking a year out. Uh, and that's why uh, these, these things that you've mentioned, the uh, stimulus negotiations, the vaccines, you know, um, it's known, right? We're, we've all been talking about it for weeks now. And while we've been talking about it, the market has just continually, you know, has continued to go up, you know, day after day. And um, so the, these these themes, this idea that you'll get a wider distribution of the vaccine and more of a sense of a return to normal and a pickup in economic and earnings growth. Um, that's great, you know, and we should see that, but it's, it's not like a new idea at this point. And, uh, and that's why in recent weeks when we've been talking, um, you know, one of the things I've pointed out in terms of how to sort of keep this thing going uh, is, is, is now, you know, earnings revisions continuing to, to, to pick up. Um, you know, they've already come up tremendously, but you need to see a further revision higher uh, as we're, you know, sitting here trading at, you know, 20 times forward 12 months earnings, which is a 40% premium to the 10 year average. Uh, and that's, you know, we've gotten there based on, um, you know, a lot of multiple expansion driven by this you know, this abiding hope that things are going to look a whole lot better and that you're going to see the earnings growth that's being priced in now manifest itself as we go through 2021. But uh, but that is the question. Will that be enough at that point, given that we've already been pricing it in and talking a whole lot about it up to this point, uh, which is why we're, you know, let off today's interview talking about an S&P 500 that's up 15 percent year to date. So, uh, you know, and then you put that X factor out there, which is interest rates, and where are they going? And if they, you know, move up uh, in a quick fashion because the recovery is picking up, well, those higher interest rates are not priced into the market right now. You know, what's priced into the market is this expectation that you get all the earnings growth, all the economic recovery, the return to a sense of normal, and interest rates that stay below 1% and the Fed not moving. So that is your real risk factor, I think, as we look at 2021. But as of right now, the market continues to believe in this notion that everything is going to kind of remain copacetic on the interest rate front, and therefore it's willing to, uh, you know, feed into this multiple expansion that we've been seeing. 
So let's talk about 2021, 2022. And I just kind of talked a little bit of anxiety that I have towards the end of 2021. But also I can offset that by what you just talked about. Low interest rates have equaled low mortgage rates. We just hit a 14th record low in mortgage rates. And I'm proud of America because they've they, we hopefully we've all refinanced and we are better off in the next 15, 20 years in our mortgage payments. And that can help the stock market a year, two years from now, as far as consumer spending goes. Um, any commentary on the low mortgage rates? Well, it is, you know, it's certainly a supportive factor, as, as you discussed, in terms of um, helping to bolster discretionary spending potential. As You know, those homeowners have been willing, able to refinance, you know, have seen lower, you know, monthly payments, and that does flow through over many years following that. Um, you know, I think right now, though, it's interesting, like if you, if, you know, you sit there and you look at a mortgage rate in the past, it might have been, say, at 6%. And of course, many, many years ago, we're talking double digit percentages, but let's just say 6%. Going from 6% to 4%, you know, looks great. Going from 4 to 2 looked even better. But now, if you go from 2 to 3, um, you start to reduce you know, that marginal propensity to take advantage of that. And so it's, it should lead to some natural slowing anyway in the housing market, particularly in the face of uh, tight supply that's really pushed up prices extremely high. And so you get into affordability issues there uh, with any incremental increase in mortgage rates. I like the way you're thinking. Um, big story in California. I live in the Bay Area. Elon Musk is leaving and going to Texas. No income taxes seems to be the obvious, but also for his workers, lower cost of living, lower housing costs. Um, I think that's a story, and it's a on, it comes on a day when we get DoorDash as an IPO. We get an artificial intelligence company coming as an IPO, C3.ai, and Airbnb is going to come out tomorrow. And a year ago, we would have been partying in the Bay Area because I would have known people that were becoming millionaires for working at companies that were coming public. Today, they're kind of like working from home, <laughs> millionaires, and they're leaving the state. It seems to be a pretty big shift, and Musk seems to say California's complacent. Any com is there anything to discuss there, or is it just that kind of obvious that taxes are pushing people out of the state? Well, I do think there is something there um, just in terms of uh, perhaps greater um, uh, greater upswell of interest on the part of labor to try to migrate to you know lower tax areas to you know help boost disposable income too. So. Um, and the fact that, you know, these workers kind of have some leverage now in being able to substantiate their willingness to move based on the notion that business has continued to run quite smoothly with people working from home. And, you know, so why not give them the opportunity to, you know, live in an, a lower cost area and still continue to do the same job that they've been doing? And, and this is a trend that's coming out of, you know, the pandemic era where, uh, so many businesses have been able to see where their workers can work productively uh, from home and still do uh, quite well. And and I don't think that that's going to just fade away with the arrival of the vaccines. I think you're going to still see you know, more people wanting to move elsewhere uh, out of higher tax states to, um, to, you know, hopefully improve their 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 cost of living and, and their their quality of life, frankly. And and. Uh, and there's going to be a lot more to that, I think, as 2021 and even 2022 continues to unfold. We've got two minutes. I'm going to leave that time up to you. Anything that you're working on that you think we should know about, sir? 
Well, this is obviously the the time of year where you hear, you know, plenty of uh, market pundits uh, tell you that they know exactly what's going to happen next year. (laughs) And uh, I'll be one of those pundits. I'll be uh, updating the big picture with our market view forecast for, for 2021. And uh, it's probably my least favorite thing to do of the year because I subscribe to the notion that, you know, nobody knows what the future holds, but, uh, but I'll give it my best shot. And, uh, and the commentary is likely to revolve around what we've talked about in terms of market prospects uh, will likely hinge on what happens with interest rates and the direction of earnings. And so we'll be kind of delving a little bit further into that as it relates to the 2021 market view. Thanks very much for joining us. Have a good day. Enjoy the holiday period. We'll talk next week, probably for the last time this year. You're always great and insightful. I do appreciate it, sir. Thank you, Rob. Take care. (laughs) I start my morning every day with briefing.com. I think they're a reliable source of international and domestic news that's reliable and consistent. It's not, how shall we say, biased uh, in any obvious fashion. Clearly, it's market-leaning. Um, but it covers a great deal of topics. It's a great site. It's a pay site. Um, I like briefing.com and it's just, I think I approach the markets in a healthy manner because I start my day with them. If that makes sense to you. Coming up, I'm going to talk about some stocks that you might want to buy next year. Cause like Patrick O'Hare mentioned, a lot of analysts are making predictions about 2021 because it's prediction time of the year, i.e. the end of the year, looking into next year's crystal ball. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, sitting in for myself. It's Rob Black. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money investing, and more. Last Friday, I ordered a book. Scott Galloway has a new book out. I got it on Sunday. I was finished with it last night. It talks about the great dispersion, and I want to talk a little bit about what that means and why you need to be aware of this. First and foremost, I like Scott Galloway. He's He's a brain that I like to pick. Doesn't mean I have to use his knowledge every day. Doesn't mean I'll use it tomorrow. But today I'm using his brain. The pandemic's most enduring feature will be an accelerant of existing trends. He calls it the great dispersion. Similar to prior macro trends like globalization and digitization, it offers enormous opportunity for you, the investor, to make real wealth. In 1997, he was asked to address the board of Levi Strauss on the future of brands and retail. His presentation was titled The Death of Distance. His rap was that all brands needed to establish a direct relationship with consumers via e-commerce. DTC, direct to consumer. We are entering the most post-distance era as tech has ever dispersed distribution channels and it's tightened everything. And he gives examples that are really smart and, and simple to understand. Rob used to have to go to the mall to buy a gift for his spouse. Now he could do it on Amazon on his desktop and they'll bring the item to him. And then Amazon introduced it to the mobile. And yesterday I was able to upgrade my automobiles audio system so that I can now say, hey, Alexa, order me groceries for dinner so I can talk to my car and shop. 
I don't have to go to the mall. I don't have to go to the grocery store. Netflix dispersed DVDs, physical things that came in your mailbox. And they dispersed it to your screen via the internet and digitization. The greatest opportunity for wealth creation in decades is happening with dispersion right now. Whether it's work from home, telemedicine, remote learning, there's a massive disruption happening to about 25% of our economy. He thinks sector players will leapfrog each other. Um, he thinks cities will become giants that were no, that weren't giants. Let me give you an example. <clears throat> in the community that I own a property in, in Lake Tahoe, last year at this time, there was 10 homes for sale. Um, there wasn't a lot of turnover. This year, there's been a lot of turnover as prices have shot up 10 to 20% and people want to move there. So what's felt like a small town now feels like, <laughs> for lack of a better word, San Francisco West or San Francisco Mountain Community. Let's just say there's a lot of Teslas and Tesla owners are going to be bitter that their Teslas don't store charges during cold as well as they do. And they're not great mountain vehicles because of it. 300 miles gets reduced to about 150 miles of driving distance in zero degree temperatures. By again, where we live has been dispersed to other communities. How we consume has been dispersed through the years. Dispersion offers the same potential for wealth creation as globalization did and digitization. Think about how Napster changed the world of music distribution. We used to have to go to the store to buy a CD, and now we just have a monthly subscription to Apple or Spotify. It's reading a pretty interesting biography on the founder of Spotify. He was a millionaire before he was 21 because he used to buy classic guitars and resell them. Isn't it funny how like entrepreneurialism is in people's bloods, bloodlines? Um, there's a wealth dispersion. There's you could use that word in so many ways. Uh, the top one percent of U.S. households control 32 percent of total household wealth in 2018. Whereas that number was 23% in 1989. The rich are truly getting richer. The inequality is truly getting larger. The rise in anger, nationalism, a drift away from the co cooperative international framework that we were in just a few years ago. Commuting. I don't feel bad for car dealerships, but I'm not going to my car dealership and getting my car tuned up or getting my car worked on because I'm not driving, putting miles on it. That extra, how much time do I waste in traffic a week? None right now. And that dispersion of time has given me more time with my family or more time with my work. Um, there is a great big dispersion event that happened this week. The director of Wonder Woman says, I don't know what else we could have done. The director of Tenet, Nolan said, this is the worst thing to ever happen to movie theaters and to the movie industry based out of LA. When Wonder Woman's being released in my home the same day that it's being released into a movie theater, and I've got a pretty nice screen. I don't have a 100-incher. I don't have IMAX. But I got a great sound bar, and I got a pretty good screen and good color on it. I feel good about that. So we no longer have to go to movies. We no longer have to go to subways to get on the, to go to work. 
We don't have to go to malls. We don't have to go to school. We don't have to go to the grocery store. We can vote by mail. Dispersion is everywhere. We don't experience the mentally ill that we had to work with when I drove into my TV station. Um, I always worried about, is my car going to be safe? Am I going to be harassed? Nope. Um, I don't know. There is a dispersion that's going on. The word nation is defined as a large body of people united by common descent, history, culture, language, inhabiting a particular country or territory. I don't think we're a nation anymore. I think we're divided by politics. I think we're also divided by, we don't see each other. I used to have real friends that I would go for a beer with, go have a sandwich with. Now I'm just like, hey, you want to do a Zoom call? <laughs> like, there we go. There we go. That's the man. We'll talk about dispersion and other issues in the world as the show goes on. Thanks for listening. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. The book is by Scott Galloway. I highly recommend his new book called Post Corona. That's not a beer. You can find me online at robblackshow.com.